You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I was about to say John Boy. I don't know if that's what JMV wants me to say here as we introduce him in just a second. Again, no JMV today because the Pacers have got a 2.30 tip from Milwaukee. Did want to mention this. I know JMV has been... Big support of the Indiana women's basketball program. Terry Morin, a tremendous crowd yesterday down there in Bloomington for the Hoosiers. She is one win away from being the winningest coach in program history. They are 16-1 and on the year. Obviously, the men get a big win over Wisconsin on Saturday, and the women come back yesterday and pummel the Badgers. Um, so another tremendous season down there. Battling some injuries, too. Looks like they're getting a little bit healthier, uh, but the Indiana women having a great Season. Uh, let's head to the Payless Liquors Hotline. You obviously hear him from 3 to 6 on a daily basis. You'll not hear him today, though, so we decided to have him on. Uh, morning hoops, John, at Southport today? Uh, I played yesterday, and I was such a freaking disaster. I got mad and cussed and then didn't go back in today. So I'm actually sitting in, in the truck right now. Mark caught me. I was rubbing CBD oil that I think is illegal here all over my body in preparation to try to go back midday and play. I didn't do morning. I'm doing midday. You know, it's always good, Jake. We have guests rubbing oils on their body at 8 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, I got a little worried there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, early in the morning, sitting in the truck rubbing. I was like, okay, here we go. So what happened yesterday? A little bomb, a little bit of oil. I sucked. I couldn't shoot. The rims were too tight. It was too cold in there. You know, Jake, you played basketball before, right, Jake? I know you have too, Kevin. I mean, it's never our fault. It's actually... What else is going on in there? You got to turn the heat up a little bit. You got tight rims, even with the Marion County tournament ending. I thought those guys maybe would have banged on the rims a little bit, but they're still really tight. And it certainly had nothing to do with um, with my jumper. It had everything to do with what was going on around me. Well, how so about the kid? Where was it in the state where the kid broke the backboard? Yeah, the, the Purdue yeah, commit. Town Central. Yeah, ja- Jack Benner, Jack Benner who yeah. Uh, I believe is going to uh, Purdue. That's right. To play for Matt Painter. Uh, dunked and did a Jerome Lane right, right there on that rim at Brownstown. They actually had to postpone the game. They couldn't. And I, I always wondered that, Jake. Jake and Kevin, you ever wonder what would happen if somebody were broken a backboard like Jerome Lane did back in the 80s? And I guess we found that out because Silver Creek had to go back to uh, Sellersburg after that and postpone the game because they did now, not have a replacement. John, they tried a leak in their gym a few weeks ago, like third, fourth quarter, and they had to go upstairs to their auxiliary gym and finish it. Seriously? Yeah. Which I I, I, lo- I mean, I love just obviously you can't do it every night from a, a, an attendance standpoint. I but. think of – now there's one other guy that I think of with, bro- with shattered backboards. Obviously Shaq was a big one, Daryl Dawkins. But Darvin Ham also, who had a cup of coffee yeah. with the Pacers, he broke a backboard too. In the tur- was that in the tournament or right before the tournament? Um, I thought it was right before. I think it was right I'm before. I'm curious, is, is it cool? Is that cool to do? Like, if, if you're Jack Benter, if you went up and you dunked and you broke the backboard, is that cool when you have to postpone the game and everybody goes home and all that happens? That <laughs> oh, cool? yeah. I mean, oh, girls it? are texting him for I mean, we're sure talking about it for sure, right? It seems like a... Doesn't seem cool to me. Is that because I can't jump? Yeah, I was going to say, you go three-point line to three-point line, and you're just moaning <laughs> about the rim. Can you imagine if Blake or Laney came home and they're like, Dad, the rims were so bad, I couldn't make a single jump shot. You'd be yelling at them for mi- making hey, excuses. Kev, they may crash in the backboard with their jumpers alone. They don't necessarily <laughs> have to be athletic to jump up there and grab the rim, okay, buddy? Let me tell you. I uh, mean, there's, hey, there's some jumpers, and it's cringeworthy. That's why... I, you're going to notice this, Kevin. You grow up, um, 
with the kids here. Um, when they're playing basketball or any kind of sports, you're not going to be allowed to have any reaction whatsoever. You're going to have to be like rounders. You're going to have to have a poker face <laughs> on this. I can't do anything because it went from me being able to say something. Now I can't say anything. And I can't even have any reactions now. See, I can't. You know, Lady would look over and say, "Oh, I saw you face palming on my jumper." <laughs> so I just kind of sit there like I'm Matt Damon in Rounders, and you know, that's that's that. Not even any uh, any reaction. That's that's where I am. I think in, in parenthood and in terms of sports. He's JMV four of twenty four is what I heard on Saturday or Sunday morning <laughs> at Southport for him. Uh, again, no show today. Pacers and Bucks at two thirty. Um, so John will have the day off. Uh, where do you think we're at right now? Colts head coaching search. Seven candidates in. Um, you can start to interview divisional round, or I should say the teams that play in the wild card round. Still no Jim Harbaugh, still no just Saturday. Where do you think we're at going into week two? Well, I, I think that either this is the, the best kept secret in the history of the Colts, which we both know that that's not true, probably, or there's no interest as of yet on either side. I mean, really, the only thing that we've heard regarding Jim Harbaugh, Kevin and Jake, is the whole Jeremy Fowler thing. And, you know, that was last week in a, a small blurb on ESPN.com. I mean, really, really nothing there. Um, I don't know if I'm surprised by that. I'm bummed by that because I know, Kevin, we disagree on this point. He's perfect. He is absolutely perfect for this team from such a variety of levels, from results in the past, from success, uh, from just being a really good head coach. And then given this crap water situation, you know, this bunch of BS that everybody's had to put up with, and, you know, from the owner to the general manager to the coach that used to be here, I mean, all this soft touch and BS, he is absolutely perfect John, for it. is it possible, is it Feel free to tell me I'm a moron here. Is it possible that Jim Harbaugh is so such a natural fit with a history of the franchise that he wouldn't necessarily go through an official interview and that if he simply says to Jim Mersey, look, I'm interested, that that is enough right there? So you're saying, Jake, that it's kind of like too short, blow the whistle. So he's just going to blow the whistle? <laughs> yeah. Right? By, the, by the way, and man. Then he's coming down here. I'm telling you, we'll get to that in a second. But no, 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 Jake, you, you guys are right. This this could be, because that is the one thing you do here, and this is just in the rumor mill, is that there is interest on both sides, and there still is. I think Chris Ballard last week suggesting this could take, you know, into February. You're absolutely right. I mean, he could just blow the whistle and, hey, you know what? We want you. You want to come here. Then all else be damned, and you come on down, and this is your gig. It it could. I just we'll get back to that point in a second, though, Kev. I'm curious because I've heard you say a couple of different times. Why are you not completely sold on this? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's part of it that's like his quirkiness, but the the the, the resume is darn impressive. There's no denying that. Um, I think you have to acknowledge the guy hasn't been in the NFL in nearly a decade. Uh, I think that the game has changed a bit from what they're doing at. San Francisco. Um, the other question I would have is, you know, what you hear about him is he just wears people out. And if you get three or four years into it and, you know, they've had whatever, a decent amount of success, and then he's just worn whoever out within that organization, mainly a young quarterback, what does that do for the future of your franchise? No, I think it's great. I, I want him to wear somebody out. Somebody needs to be worn out. The only thing we get worn out on around here is over evaluation. 
and lack of results. So, I, I, you know, and you're right. I mean, his shelf life can be, probably would be rather short. Because in the college game, obviously the roster turns over. Right. But here's what I think, Kev. I think in in any sort of shelf life with Jim Harbaugh, he's going to create results. And, man, this, this fan base, you know, Colts fans are so in need. It is such a necessity of having something to lean on, of positive, of above positive results. And I think he gets that thing in the blender and going quicker than anybody else. And then I think we'll worry about whether or not he's worn out somebody else, whether or not you know his shelf life is uh, fading when we get further down the road. And I think when we get further down the road, if he's the guy and that's happening, that's coming with a level of success. And that's what everybody wants. JMB, let me throw you my overall feel or, or temper on this coaching search for the Colts, and you tell me if you agree or disagree with it. I think that Jim Harbaugh is the guy that Jim Mersey knows would probably be the home run hire, certainly the aesthetic and optics hire, uh, and that would be, like we said, he blows the whistle, I think that that's what would happen. But I also think that Jim Mersey still is very fond of not only Jeff Saturday, but some of the areas where Jim Ursay saw improvement under Jeff Saturday or where he is intrigued by him, and that the other interviews that are taking place are not necessarily taking place because they have this wide-open job, but rather to make sure that there isn't someone out there that could potentially totally blow them away where they go, you know what, I never would have guessed that that guy was going to do that, but but let's take a look at that. And that right now it is still a two-horse race. Your thoughts? Well, I, I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying right there. I, I've had some theories on this. Uh, one certainly is that they are just running through dudes right now um, to get – to Jim Harbaugh, and I'm also thinking right now they're running through dudes. So Chris Ballard, fellas, if Jim Harbaugh is not the guy, and I'm not even suggesting you like Jim Harbaugh or Harbaugh is going to be the guy, but don't you think they're going to have a collection of dudes here that Chris Ballard can throw at Jim Ursay at some point if it's not Harbaugh or if it's and say, hey, here is a bunch of guys. These this is why these guys will work a lot better than you hiring Jeff Saturday. It's almost like they're accumulating talent here to throw at Jim Hersey in case it comes down to whom they've interviewed compared to who has been the interim head coach. Does that make sense to you? It's almost like Chris Ballard saying, hey, uh, this is the reason why Jeff Saturday should not be that for the future, knowing that ultimately if it's not, you know, a big-time get like a hardball, that that's exactly what Ursay is going to do, and that is going to be higher Jeff Saturday for the long term. John, if I gave you hardball or Saturday as the hire, or if I gave you the field, who would you take right now? The field, probably. The field. Oh, you know what? I take that back. I take that back. Maybe not sitting here right now, the field, because I think sitting here without any hardball influence that that the owner is going to have, as he will, that final say. And I think that owner, Kev, I know you kind of waned on that a little bit. I think the owner still really wants to see Jeff Saturday as the coach, and he would like to see it by all means necessary. And without Harbaugh, I think that would be by all means necessary. So give me Saturday right now until we see otherwise. That I, would, I would agree with that. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought the embarrassment of the season w- w- was a little bit too much. Um, but as we know with Jim Irsay, the emotional connection with Jeff Saturday, he's made that abundantly clear what he thinks of him. And we've seen, you know, a guy we're having on tomorrow, Chuck Pagano, talk Jim Irsay back it, into it. Is it possible, though, Kevin? I can see Jeff Saturday doing that in an interview setting. So, for either one of you guys, JMV is our guest, by the way, on the Payless Circus Hotline. Is it possible that Jeff Saturday, that the results in terms of the on-field scoreboard results were obviously less than desirable, but is it possible that Jeff Saturday actually was in terms of what Jim Irsay asked and wanted him to do in the interim role, is it possible that Jim Irsay knew at that point the year was a wash? And so he said to Jeff Saturday, I'm going to give you a list of five things I want you to do. Go about those things and the record be damned. I'm not worried about the wins and losses. Do these five things, assess these five areas, break them down, and then come back to me. And don't worry about the noise of what everybody says about the results. I believe it. Yeah, you're talking about intel here. You're talking about hiring him to get that intel because you trust him. Hey, what is going on within my organization that really I should already know, but for some odd reason I don't know, and I don't trust anybody else that has been on uh, the staff or within this organization prior to feed me these results. But is it that possible, John, that that's what took place? Yeah, yeah, there's no no doubt about it. I think that Jim does want Jeff Saturday – to remain the coach and be the coach, but I think also equal to that, Jake, as you mentioned, I think he wants a level of intel that he feels that maybe he's not getting, that he certainly trusts more with Jeff Saturday than he does with anybody else. And that's what makes it even more so confusing as to why it is so easy, so simple to go into a seventh year with Chris Ballard. And, Kev, I'll lob this at you. Is it because that – that Jim Mercer himself would not want to hire in one hiring cycle, a general manager, a coach, and then also be involved in having your long-term quarterback selection coming up. If it were different like that, would Chris Ballard get a seventh year or is he getting a seventh year because there are so many high-level decisions in this case, this offseason to be made? Yeah, I think it's an element of ego too. You know, I mean, he didn't fire Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson in the same offseason. I think you just extended Frank Wright and Chris Ballard, what, you know, 16, 18 months ago. I I don't think he, you know, wants to admit, you know, total wrong on both of that. Uh, to, to Jake's point about what Jim Mercer thought, you know, there was part consultant. But Jim Mercer said, you know, we're in this thing. 9-7-1 gets us in the dance. No questions about it. We're not tanking the season. I mean, remember the Ursay tweet after the Raiders game? Just win, baby. He had the Al Davis reference. In there, they don't win a single football game after that. So it would be Ursay going back on his word, which wouldn't be the first time um, during all of this. Do want to get to the Pacers, John? Again, JMV's with us. Uh, two o'clock, our coverage today: Pacers and Bucks. That's a two thirty tip from Milwaukee. So no show today for JMV. Uh, Ten point underdog. No Halliburton. We'll see about Turner. We know what happens when. Giannis faces the Pacers. Could be the first four-game losing streak of the season. Uh, Is this going to impact what happens in the trade deadline coming up in a few weeks? Well, I mean, it's funny. I had a promo that was rolling and saying, hey, uh, this winning is going to impact the trade deadline and is going to influence what happens in the not-so-distant future for this team. And, And maybe that it does, because if you look ahead, Kev, after this game today, uh, this thing gets tough, and it's going to be tough to navigate. Even if you get miles back, that's one thing. But 
the straw that stirs is clearly Halliburton, and they are a much, much different team on the floor without him. And you can't, you know, equate to what Miles does in a loss in a game for him either. But for Halliburton, it's even much more. And you saw they got run off the floor by the Grizzlies, got clown. John Morant goes in for the dunk of the year, and Pacer fans are cheering and. Yeah, I don't like where this is going, and I, this may call for a, a, another, I guess you would say, reevaluation of where you're going to be coming up in the trade deadline if this thing spins out of control. I'd like to think that this team, Kev and Jake, is at least this season who we thought it might be compared to the results we have seen when they are healthy. But I don't know. As people that watch the Pacers over the years – I mean, I know you felt good about the two weeks, the reevaluation and check the scans and all that, but this is a Pacer team, and you have to be a little bit apprehensive about the what-ifs in terms of injuries because you've been bitten by that so many times. So I don't know if you reevaluate it, Kev. It may be a still work in progress, and maybe there are going to be some determining factors that we're going to see beginning today and on this, this road trip where we see this team once again play without the straw, or the straw that stirs in, in Halliburton. That is just, to me, going to be a tremendous struggle for them. I think they knew going into the year that Halliburton was clearly the centerpiece that everything was going to feed off of, and they wanted to assess each player based on how they play with Halliburton. And as a result of that, having him removed, I think they are going to say, let's not knee-jerk to what happens now without him in the lineup because in the long term they expect him to be there so therefore I don't think that they retool based on what happens without him in the lineup does that make sense what I'm saying oh yeah it does make sense too and I thought Friday night was tremendous in and an opportunity that was lost because you needed that calm during the storm right now and you're right there with Atlanta that would have been uh, huge not, yeah we, we, we're, we look at that a little bit differently now that was a game that was so um, winnable, and it wasn't. You kind of knew what you're going to get on Saturday night, the second of a back-to-back to get Memphis in town, but that was so winnable, and it wasn't. And yeah, it, it just looks like that. It's a little bit stormy right now, and maybe, maybe some of these results here in the next less than a month or so will dictate exactly what they're going to do. So I was moving forward here this year. It's your neck of the woods a little bit there. Taven Jackson commits to Tom Allen. Is he saving Tom Allen's job here? Um, well, I don't know. Is he going to be running for his life? Uh, did he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, did he bring some offensive linemen from I mean, him, do, from, do we have, from, from Tennessee? Do we have I, any evidence at all that Indiana was a quarterback away? No, they're not. No, Jay, listen. Look at that Jay, O-line. Kevin, we, we, we know this. I mean, it's IU football. That is just like a – that's a really good story, and we know how – this is going to turn out. I like Taven a great deal. He is an athletic talent. That is fantastic. And that is certainly that, – that is a breath of fresh air that this program needs in this offseason. But, yeah, it's not going to be waving a magic wand by any stretch. Uh, we'll see, for example, if Wisconsin for the IU basketball team was that on Saturday. Such a different focus defensively that we saw uh, compared to the prior two games in that second half against Iowa. But, Kev, you brought this up when you brought me on the show. How about that women's program? Yeah. I got the badass. The badass Grace Berger, I think, is coming all of me tomorrow. 
they are they are fun to watch. Grace Berger, Sydney Parrish. It's a, a wonderful collection of talent for that basketball program for the women. Now. And I think getting a taste of it last year with that tournament run was huge, bringing back so much of that core. Yeah, it sounded like a great crowd um, down there yesterday for their win over Wisconsin. Hey, John, did you know that Too Short was going to be at the Vogue? Because I didn't know that until literally uh, yeah. it was too late. I saw it. I saw it about a month ago, but I'd forgotten about it too. Yeah, that would be one. I'm glad you got to do that too, because that'd be one. I'm I'm a guy that wants to collect. It, it, maybe I, I don't like him as much. Maybe I do like him as much, but I'm a resume collector right now as far as who I want to see. And too short would be on that list. I've seen Eric Van Rakim. I've seen Public Enemy a couple of times. Queen Latifah. Um, I, who else have I seen? Transcold Quest. Um, I've seen all these old school. Axe, Cool Modi. What about Daddy Slick King. Rick? You ever seen Slick Rick? I have not seen Slick Rick. That'd be another one that I'd like to add. Third base but, is another one that I'd like to see, but I don't know how much they do anymore. Yeah, I don't think they do anything. I don't think those two get along either. I don't. I had uh, <laughs> I had Pete Nice and MC Search on Once Upon a Time, and it was kind of clear to me that they didn't really get along. But man, the Cactus album—that's classic right oh, there. And that would be one definitely. I think the last time we saw them play, I think the late great DJ Indiana Jones, DJ Indiana Jones, put that together in Broad Ripple. Uh, it was about yeah, eight Warm or nine Fest, years right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, in Broad Ripple, and, and they were great there. But I think uh, Pete Nice, I think, was a card collector, a baseball card collector, and uh, MC Search was doing a radio show, I believe. Out of out of Detroit, but how was too short Saturday? Uh, it was really good. It was, I mean, it was great fun. It was nostalgically fun. He didn't do. It wasn't necessarily a concert as much as him just kind of doing like a lot of monologue on stage, and then he would break into the you know the, the music would come up in the background. He would do maybe like half a song, and then he'd go back to talking about stuff. And I mean, it was it it was great fun, man. We had a, we had a great time, and it was great to see like all my guys from North Central that were there. So we had a lot of fun. Well, we're all going. Coming up, I think March the 24th is the date for the Legacy Tour Fest, which is New Edition, Guy, and Keith Sweat at Gambridge Fieldhouse. We're all going for that. <laughs> all right. All of it. It's yeah. our prerogative. Yeah, I, I've already got it on the calendar. I hear you and Wells talk about it every Friday. Um, Jake, we've done this for, what, you know, a little bit over a year now. You think it's the first guest that's ever announced that they were rubbing oils on their body yes. at 8 o'clock? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what else I'm doing? And I mean, I'm doing a lot in here too. I've, I, I'm Jeez. lucky. Easy now. The, the state of Michigan sucks really bad, and I hate it. But I have some friends up there, and they will occasionally bring down some stuff because they don't want to see me in pain. They don't want to see my jump shot broken because of the pain. So we're just uh, testing and trialing things out. I got uh, something. I don't know if you can buy it here. It's called CBD Eucalyptus Mint. Cooling mm. body balm with CBD from hemp. Uh, that's what I'm rubbing. Yeah, you right can buy now. CBD here. You're gonna, you're gonna know. I don't know if this is like more powerful than Delta 88 or what, but you can smell me coming. <laughs> let me tell you. Well, like, if that doesn't rip the nets, I think you're screwed today. You can smell me coming. It's not like the average Green County person either, because you can smell them coming too, <laughs> just in a different way. But you can smell me. You can smell me coming a mile away with this stuff. Yeah, right? usually as soon as you hit 37, you can smell. Green County there. Yeah, I mean, there it is. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to give this a try and and see what happens. But, fellas, man, thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate it. I'm really sad I don't have a show today. So tomorrow at 3, you'll be back, right? Tomorrow at 3, I'm going to be back, and we'll have a uh, 
a fantastic week. And I, I mentioned uh, Grace Berger, uh, whom I have a great deal of respect. I love watching Grace Berger play back from that injury uh, in that Las Vegas fiasco on that floor in the ballroom. And Grace, I think, is coming on with us tomorrow as well. And then we'll continue to follow a lot of the uh, local stories of Colts and Pacers' interest as well. Fellas, continue to do a great job with you guys and Mark in that studio and keeping us informed. Does everybody know how lucky we are? Does Indy know? We are. We are extremely lucky. You guys are so lucky. I mean, Indy is so lucky to have you guys. Wow. It's incredible. Seriously. Yeah, I was going to say, the oils are talking now. Can we we, we clip that out for a promo? That's right. And then I come on at 3 Are you smelling the CBD oils as well? Is that what you're doing? (laughs) It's the eucalyptus. Yeah. Heavy heavy scent right here, fellas. Shoot it well today, John. He's one of our favorites. We've had him on a couple of times and grateful during a busy time of the NFL season slash off season that he can make time for us on this Monday morning. He is Field Yates, NFL insider for ESPN, co-host of the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. Field, we are on CJ Stroud Declaration Watch today here in Indianapolis. <laughs> you know, guys, good morning. Thanks for having me on. And it's funny, I figured that the idea of CJ Stroud's name could come up when you're talking anything related to the Colts this time of the year. And I was going to try to not dance around it, but also be candid and say that I don't know whether this is real or not, but I, if you guys haven't already told your listeners, uh, for those that are maybe just joining the program, it sounds like C.J. Stroud might return to Ohio State. There are less than 48 hours until he has to make a decision one way or the other. And if you're wondering how on earth is this possible, I have three letters for you, N I. Uh, we'll see. I tend to think that these guys almost always will end up going to the pros because it's not like you are required to only make your rookie contract money. There are endorsements. There are professional NIL deals available to you. That being said, the allure of wanting to win a national championship at a place where you've had plenty of success might be appealing to C.J. Stroud for one more year. Field, in your opinion, you know C.J. Stroud is obviously a, an unbelievable talent. I mean, no question about it. And I know that there has always been discussion about quarterbacks that are playing at programs where they're throwing to dynamic receivers and how that might hurt in their translation into the NFL. But dynamic talent, seemingly one of the top three quarterbacks coming out if he were to come out this year, uh, maybe top four. Where would you rank him or, or where would you slot if you had to guess they would rank one, two, three, and four. How in terms of teams coveting them? Yeah, I've actually been uh, trying to sort of reshape how I think about quarterback rankings uh, over the past few years because I think one thing that I'm really mindful of is that uh, first of all, I, I tell people that quarterbacks sometimes like house hunting. Just because five houses are on the market for the same price doesn't mean that five people are going to agree that house A is the best or B is the best, right? Like there's going to be some variance in opinion. It's just human nature. Uh, But for quarterbacks, I'm also mindful of the fact that what a quarterback is able to do is in part, and there are some exceptions, you know, Patrick Mahomes is an alien. I don't think Patrick Mahomes uh, could be dropped anywhere and not be an extremely successful quarterback. But a lot of these guys aren't Patrick Mahomes. And where they end up, I think, plays a significant role in just how capable they become at the NFL level. So I almost look at it as like an average. So like if I were to pull 32 NFL teams, 
and they were to stack the top quarterbacks one through four, who do I think would have the highest average ranking? And my belief would be the answer would be Bryce Young from Alabama, who of course Heisman a year ago and led them to the national championship appearance. Like he's been exceptional, obviously during his time with the Crimson Tide. Uh, the big question marks of Bryce Young, really the big question mark is his size. Is he is diminutive in stature? There's no two ways about that. Uh, and then I think CJ Stroud would probably be number two. CJ's got a more sort of quote unquote prototypical college quarterback, or excuse me, professional quarterback build. He's got some good athletes. He's not, not, not an elite athlete. He's not Justin Field, the guy that succeeded him or preceded him at Ohio State, but still a very good athlete. So my guess would be that he would slot in on average as the number two quarterbacks on boards. And then I think it really becomes beauty being in the eye of the beholder because, you know, Will Levis, who I actually happen to have a little bit of exposure to, uh, he is from Connecticut where I live. So uh, he's kind of been a Connecticut legend for a while, has plenty of tools, guys, but there's a lot of refining that is needed. Anthony Richardson from Florida, I mean, a guy whose skill set is just absurd at its very best, might have been well served to go back for another year. And there are several quarterbacks kind of fit that mold where uh, you may see the good in them and feel really encouraged. But when you catch them on a bad day, you might be wondering to yourself, like, is there any way this guy can last in the NFL? You bring up that word tools, and again, for Chris Ballard, he's a big tools guy. Does that apply to quarterback? We'll see, but Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, a couple of names to keep in mind. Again, Field Yates from ESPN joining us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Field, if you don't mind, I'll ask you to kind of wear the Chris Ballard hat here for just a second, Um, and and I guess let's start with head coach. Uh, They've interviewed seven candidates. What path do you think the Colts should go down on that front? Um, And then I guess a follow-up to that would be what path do you think they should go quarterback-wise? So I think I have to start by asking a question, and it's almost—it's not rhetorical, but I'm not sure that anybody has the answer to it. Is I'd love to know, like transparently, where exactly Chris Ballard's sort of power and influence is in this organization. I think a lot of us, and no one can speak to this better uh, than you guys, thought that when the team made a decision to replace Frank Reich or just fire Frank Reich in the first place, regardless of who they replaced him with, that it was a Jim Irsay decision. And Jim obviously came out and talked about how Chris Ballard's going to be the GM, and he's excellent at his job, and said some really nice things about Chris. But it was hard not to think that there were a lot of levers being pulled by the owner and not by the general manager this past year. If the truth is that Chris Ballard's in solid standing and he's going to be the guy to kind of navigate things going forward, then he has to make a decision. Because this roster is, laced is too strong of a word, but there are certainly some really good pieces on this roster that... If you put a competent quarterback in place, then this team could be very, very good. That was exactly what we thought coming into this season. And while some guys did not meet expectations, specifically along the offensive line, like you got another great year out of DeForest Buckner, and Stephon Gilmore was an excellent free agent addition, and Yannick Ngakwe continued to do what he does, and generating pressure. The linebacker group, without Darius Leonard, found, or I don't know, found, but sort of developed guys into stars, right? I mean, like, this roster did a lot of good stuff this year, uh, even in spite of a really poor record. I think if Chris Ballard is the one who is in charge, I think that, and I could be totally wrong here, he's probably at the point where because of how the past few years have gone, not quite as inclined to try to band-aid it, the quarterback spot, with another veteran who's as, as certain as he is uncertain. I just think that you're probably, there's scar tissue from 
the Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan experiences. Philip Rivers obviously was really, really good for Indianapolis, but a one-year basis obviously makes things a little bit different. Maybe if you're Chris Ballard, uh, you're saying to yourself this morning, like, just please declare CJ. Even if the Colts don't love CJ Shroud, it's just one more quarterback right. in the market. Right. Mm-hmm. In a year when they've. And he's, his back's. At this point, Field, would you agree? Field Yates is our guest that Chris Ballard has to know the time is now, right? Like, you have avoided this drafting of the quarterback for too long. The time is now. Yeah, it, it, it feels like that sort of is where we are at. And, you know, I will say this. And fans are going to probably hate this, and it's going to sound like not sensitive, but it's going to sound like very vanilla. But like, if there's not a quarterback there that you love, it's not always best business to just jam a quarterback selection onto the board. And this is a bad example because of how things have gone since then. But I'm using it as an example because I think it's it's notable that teams don't always just take the best quarterback available. But the Cole, excuse me, the Panthers a few years ago, uh, two see two drafts ago, didn't like the quarterbacks they forecasted were going to be available. At pick eight, they ended up obviously making the trade for Sam Darnold, and Sam played a little bit better down the stretch this past season. But it's not like that was an experiment they probably would do over if they could. And they left Justin Fields and Matt Jones sitting there on the board, and you know each of those guys, you know, independent of the other, has put together one solid season. Like I think I would have rather gone down that path. The Broncos did the same thing, and you know the Russell Wilson experiment's only one year old, but it certainly looks like one that needs a lot, a lot of fixing going forward. So, um, and, and both the players that those teams took, you know, Pat Sertan, the second, and J.C. Holm are really, really, really good players. Um, but you know, I just gotta wonder, like, if you are the Colts, you just I, I, you can't force it, but the opportunity cost, you don't want anything forced very often, and if you don't then uh, if you do, it's a, it means you, you, you continue to fail. Um, and I don't, I don't think they're planning to fail anymore. Like I think they need to be thinking swing big for a quarterback this offseason. Field, I've got a question for you. Field Yates is our guest on the Payless Liggers Hotline. He's an NFL insider for ESPN, co-host, of course, of the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. Um, and, and really good insight on the Colts, which I appreciate. I, I did have a question I asked Kevin earlier. Maybe it's rhetorical, but I, I want to see if you can add any perspective on this. on this. This confuses me. We know that because of the unique situation in the Buffalo-Cincinnati game that was canceled, that the AFC Championship game now would be on a neutral field. But we now yeah. have Cincinnati having to go to Buffalo in the postseason – both of these teams coming in, Cincinnati had one more loss than did Buffalo. Meaning, had they played that game and Cincinnati had won it, they would both have four losses. Thus, I believe the home field in the postseason would go, would it not, advantage Cincinnati because the first tiebreaker would be head-to-head. Should this game not be the one that is actually on a neutral field? Yeah, uh, there's a very, very compelling case that what you're saying is the truth. Um, and even if like they had to play them, I mean, I guess you could potentially make the case that back-to-back games could be played on neutral sites. One would be the Bills versus the Bengals this weekend, and then if the Bills won against, they play the Chiefs the following weekend, and you can make the case that that game should be just as deserving to be on a neutral site field. Yeah, and, you know, I think uh, it's important to remember the context here, right, like, Playing a game on the road is not you know, nearly as significant as the fact that a player 
literally almost lost his life on the football field. And, and that's the sort of the derivation of, of why all these conversations that we're having right now are taking place. So we're grateful and glad that DeMar Hamlin's safety is in a spot where we're no longer talking about whether he's going to make it or not. That's a really good thing. But I understand that if Bengals fans feel a little bit disappointed right now is, you know, they, they, they win a game at home last night, and it's very likely the last home playoff game they'll have the rest of this year, uh, absent the Jaguars, I guess, doing what most people believe is unlikely right now against Kansas City. So I hear you. And uh, I, the, Bengals, the Bengals are a good team on the road. Uh, they'll, they'll have a chance against Buffalo this Sunday. But uh, if, if Cincinnati fans are a bit jilted this morning, I understand. Uh, he's a great Field Yates from ESPN. He's with us here on the Payless Suckers Hotline. Field, we've had seven names so far for the Colts head coach opening. Offensive minds, Ben Johnson, Shane Steichen, Eric Bieniemy On defense, Raheem Morris, Aaron Glenn, and Ejiro Averro. And then Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coordinator. We're assuming Jeff Saturday will join that group, your former colleague. Uh, any of those names jump out to you? Yeah, you know, I, I'd say that and I hate to be the person that like jumps on the sort of the obvious train here, but Ben Johnson's probably the most intriguing. And some of it is like the devil you don't know versus the devil you do know, right? And I guess devil is the wrong connotation, but you know, the allure of Ben Johnson is that you know, we've seen some of the other men that have interviewed for this job and they've been head coaches before uh, on a full time or interim basis. And I think they're sort of like the shiny object appeal for Ben Johnson right now. But it kind of does tie back to what I was talking about with Chris Ballard and his influence and his decision about where this roster is right now, because if you're planning on, on drafting a quarterback early, uh, and that's, that's sort of the mindset is that like our quarterback solution is going to be a guy 25 years or younger, somehow, some way this off season, then I think a young offensive mind to pair with that quarterback is pretty logical for all the obvious reasons. Um, if you plan to go down the veteran route, and you, you try to pursue a Derek Carr or a Baker Mayfield or a Jimmy Garoppolo, and if fans are, are frustrated hearing those names, I get you. I'm just throwing out the names that might potentially be available. Then I could see a, quarter, a, a head coach has kind of been there and done that before. Um, but I think it is probably dependent upon where their mindset is right now. I also got to be entirely honest with you guys is um, I am trying to change my ways as well uh, with like lathering on the praise of head coaching hires uh, because I went back and, and, and watched and read and saw some of the analysis over as an example, what happened when the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett last year. And you could have had me convinced that they had hired Vince Lombardi. <laughs> right. Uh, right. That he lasted 15 games. So I'm not trying to not do my job. I'm also trying to be realistic with those that are listening. Very I, smart. Yeah. I, I'm impressed with the job that Ben Johnson did as a coordinator for the Detroit Lions. I've also spent zero days of my life working with Ben Johnson and have no idea how he would hold up in the world when he's addressing the defense after a win or a loss or a tie or whatever, right? Like, there's a lot more to going into the uh, to becoming a head coach of the NFL and being really good at it than how you handle, uh, you know, Jared Goff and Jamal Williams and Jamison Williams uh, during the 2022 NFL regular season. Field, we'll end with this. And again, really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, you think Lamar Jackson's back with the Ravens? I do, uh, and, but I, I'm starting to grow more weary of it by the day. The only reason why I say I do is just because there's such an obvious way for the Ravens to ensure that happens, which is the franchise tag, and that seems it'd be, it'd be a discount if he plays next year on that franchise tag. And you know, with, with the Ravens, like 
they've invested so much into their roster around the kind of player that Lamar Jackson is that if they move on from Lamar, move on from Lamar Jackson, like, yes, they're going to get an absolute bounty of picks in return for it. But it also means like a, like an admission that we're going to have to reconstruct our roster entirely. So I'd be surprised. That being said, the vibes are extremely weird right now. Like the fact that he didn't show up to the game last night, I've heard, listen, I'm aware of the fact that teams don't always bring injured players with them on road trips. All right. And I know, Hey, you know, if you've got swelling or inflammation, being on a plane is not ideal, not perfect. You're the freak. You're the face of the franchise. What is it like a, a, an hour flight from Baltimore to Cincinnati? Like I'm telling you that to me was noteworthy. And I'm not blaming the player or the team there, but like it's, it definitely stood out to me that he wasn't there. And I think more than anything, it signals that there is a disconnect right now between the player and the franchise. And they have to figure out quickly whether they can A, work through that, and then B, find some middle ground on an extension because I know that they will always have the resources to find a way to make a deal that works, but it just holds up your ability to do other business. Like you're constantly managing the cap, and if Lamar Jackson's cap hit is going to be 25 or $26 million in the franchise tag next year, and then you have to budget another 40 the following year for a second franchise tag, that's different than if you have a long-term deal done where that number is going to be dramatically lower in year one. At Field Yates on Twitter. Field, we appreciate it as always and look forward to talking to you again uh, perhaps as we get deeper into the offseason, but certainly appreciate the time. See you guys next month at the Combine. Can't wait. Love Indianapolis and uh, love what you guys, love the entire city's effort to uh, make the Combine as great as it is. Appreciate that, Field. Thank you. All right, guys. Nine o'clock hour here. Bob Kravitz going to join us right now. Uh, Field Yates get a little bit more of a big picture view on the NFL, not only playoff wise, but the head coaching search and how that indie job is viewed around the league. That's coming up at nine thirty. But again, Bob joins us right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bob, I want to begin with what I thought was a really outstanding piece you had on Tyrese Halliburton up on the athletic site for those that missed it. I get that words are words, and we're still probably in a bit of a honeymoon stage, but if you're a Pacers fan, you've got to be not only encouraged by what he's done on the floor, but he certainly acts like a guy that wants to be here. He really does. you know. And I I told him, I said, look, I'm not asking you to make any kind of commitment. I understand that that, uh, it's a business and things change, but... um, you know, as as things stand now, you know, how do you feel about your long term prospects in, in Indianapolis? And he 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 went for it. He he's really enjoying it. His uh, girlfriend is here. His mom is living here. Um, he he's settled in, and uh, everything he says and does uh, tells me that he wants to be a long termer here in Indianapolis. And now it's really the responsibility of. Kevin Pritchard and those guys to surround him with the kind of players that he needs to, to lead them to, you know, to the playoffs uh, down the road, if not this year, and get them to a chance, give them a chance to compete for a title. You know, for Kevin Pritchard, Bob, there has to be, and, and I guess understandably so if there if there is, but I would think that you've got to continue with Tyrese Halliburton in such a way that, like, you want to build and facilitate for him, but you also have to have your eye on a backup plan in case 
he changes his mind or throws a curveball at you because if you're Kevin Pritchard, would there not be some PTSD over the Victor Oladipo and Paul George situations? I don't think so in this case, at least not yet, because you know he'll be a, a, a restricted free agent at the end of next year, and then you know then we've got him for a couple more years before it becomes a, 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 uh, a he'll be a restricted free agent at the end of next year and uh, unrestricted down the road. So I don't think you have to worry about that just yet. I think what you've got to do is you know surround him with the right kind of people and uh, make sure that he's given every every opportunity to win uh, win at the level they want to win at. Okay, Bob Kravitz is with us here from The Athletic on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Bob, we're a week into the Colts head coaching search. Seven interviews so far. Three on offense, yeah. three on defense. Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coordinator. Assuming Jeff Saturday joins that bunch, that'll be eight. Uh, will Jim Harbaugh be on that list? I think I think at some point. Um, you know, I, I saw a, I, I think it was uh a video or something from Tom Pelissero saying that uh, at this point uh, Harbaugh wants to give Saturday every opportunity uh, to interview, and he didn't want to. He didn't want to kind of interrupt or up, you know, upbraid him. That's the wrong word. He didn't want to uh, get in the way of um, Saturday. I wish he would. But um, I, I think eventually they're going to have to force him to say no. And I, I, I see things on the Internet. How much is true and how much is not true, I don't know. But he seems to be interested in the indie job. Um, so I think before all is said and done, they will talk to him. But at this point, they're kind of going through the process. They are uh, certainly uh, talking to a lot of good candidates uh, who happen to be black. Um, so the, the, the Rooney rule has been complied with, is my understanding. You know, from, from, from what I'm hearing, uh, Raheem Morris was very impressive. And that doesn't surprise me because this is a guy who was a, a head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when he was in his mid-30s. Uh, and had some success. They had one good year uh, out of two and a half. He didn't get much time in Tampa to get things turned around. So we'll see where that goes. Bob, Morris is a guy that, you know, I had said this earlier, and give me your thoughts on this. I kind of feel like that Jeff Saturday is the clubhouse leader because Jim Irsay really, really likes him, and that's only if Jim Harbaugh is does not express an interest. If Jim Harbaugh wants that job, I think it's his job. I agree. But sparing that, then I think Jim Irsay basically has said to Chris Ballard, not literally, but in a figurative sense, to Chris Ballard, like, you conduct a bunch of interviews and make sure that no one completely blows you away. And unless, some, unless you are completely blown away, then Jeff Saturday's my guy unless Jim Harbaugh calls. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think there's probably some truth to that. Um, you know, the thing with um, with Raheem, like I say, I, I like guys who've been head coaches before. I like guys who've made their mistakes and have learned. You know, look, look at Doug Peterson. Uh, you know, you, you go throughout the playoffs. You, you got some guys who are second timers, and I, I like that. I like guys who've been humbled a little bit. Uh, who are hungry, who want a second chance at, at the ring. 
And I, I think Raheem would be interesting. Uh, the only thing is he's not an offensive coach. And if you're going to go out and you're going to get yourself your, your franchise quarterback, presumably, unless Chris Ballard's completely nuts, um, you go out, you know, you're going to want either a great offensive coordinator or you're going to want a head coach who uh, is offensively uh, inclined. So that would be my only concern. Yeah, Raheem Morris, head coach in Tampa at the age of 32, um, now 46 years old. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Of course, Sean McVay going back to the Rams. So that opening no longer there, potentially for Raheem Morris. Again, Bob Kravitz is with us on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Bob, one one more for me on the head coaching front. We had JMV on earlier. I threw this question at him, so I will toss it your way. Um, if I gave you the ne- next Colts head coach will be Jeff Saturday or Jim Harbaugh or the field, who would you take right now? I still think they're going to make Jim Harbaugh say no. And I still think that Jim Harbaugh does have some interest. I talked with somebody who's close to him, said he is, he is interested uh, in getting back into the league. Uh, as the as the athletic and everybody else has reported, um, you know, you, I'm reading these ridiculous things out of Michigan about how much he, him professing his love for Michigan while he's talking with, you know, various organizations. Um, you know, but I think we're going to find out just where the Colts stand as far as, you know, how good a job is it really? I mean, you got a front office that's a little bit of a mess. you got no quarterback. Uh, you got some aging guys on defense. So we'll find out if this is really a good job. I get the feeling, Bob, that if Jim Harbaugh didn't have a connection to the Indianapolis Colts, that this discussion is not even taking place, right? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, look, look at Matt, look at uh, Sean Payton. I mean, Payton, uh, with his background, he's made it very clear he doesn't want to go anywhere where there's been front office dysfunction. And God knows uh, the Colts have been the, have been beacons of misfunction all season long. Did the Colts have Bob this last year? And this is such a, a Bob Kravitz, by the way, is our guest on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bob, of course, with the Athletic. I, this is such a cliched term that I'm almost embarrassed to use it, but I think it's applicable here. In terms of the locker room in the season that just ended, did the Colts have a culture problem? In other words, yes. Did yeah, they have? Yeah, a, I, I, yeah. Did they have guys that were too immature? I don't know if it was immature. I, I think there's a lot of guys who are out for themselves. I think I, I just don't. I think there are a lot of guys who are trying to do things for themselves. They didn't have the team's best interest at heart. It was uh, interesting watching the game yesterday, one of the games. Uh, I think Josh Allen got into it with somebody, and a big old offensive lineman came over and tried to uh, quell that uprising. And. I thought, that's the way you defend a quarterback. So, you know, and this, I wonder if this goes back even to after the Arizona game when they won on Christmas and they started to expect to win because they had all this talent. I don't really know, but, I, you know, talking with uh, DeForest Buckner, I guess uh, Zach Kiefer talked to Buckner. He talked about we're going to have guys who are, who are, you know, really dedicated next year, which tells me he didn't feel that, he had those guys this year. So, yeah, I think the culture was a, a little bit broken. And quite frankly, it's nothing that a good young quarterback can't fix. 
Speaking of that, could you see Jim Mersey demanding the drafting of a quarterback with that fourth overall pick and or trade up? Unquestionably. Unquestionably. And, you know, today's going to be an interesting day, guys. I mean, C.J. Stroud is going to decide whether he wants to uh, come out or not. I guess uh, Ohio State is setting up a huge NIL deal for him to remain. If he decides to go back to Ohio State, you may as well start printing up the Will Levis jerseys here in Indianapolis because that's he's got to be the guy, I would think. So you uh, think Bryce Young would go one and I'm, Houston would uh, trade up? And, I'm not certain he, Levis isn't the guy regardless from the Colts' well, standpoint. Yeah, I mean, there, there's been some crazy rumors from sources that I wouldn't trust as far as I can throw them. Um, you know, that he's, he's the number one guy. I still think Bryce Young is number one. Now, Levis is going to be very impressive in, in the combine, so that may it may change things, but I, I'm not sure. But um, clearly they're going to get one of those two guys, and I think it's probably going to be uh, Will Levis. Okay, Bob Kravitz with us here from The Athletic. Bob, last one from me. Um, I don't think we've spoken since the report came out, maybe a little bit over a week ago, that Miles Turner had... And his camp had turned down maybe the initial contract extension offer from the Pacers. Still have a couple of more weeks to go um, until the trade deadline. Since that report, obviously Turner's missed a few games due to back spasms. Tyrese Halliburton is going to be out for multiple weeks due to his knee and elbow injuries. Uh, Where do you think things stand on the Turner extension front? And how will that or how should that impact the trade deadline? Well, I've, I've felt all along that he was a goner. Now, the fact that he is willing to sit and listen, or at least his agent is willing to uh, to talk about this. To me, suggests that there's been a change of heart, uh, and why not? You're playing great basketball. Uh, the atmosphere has been terrific at Gainsbridge. Gainbridge, you're you're playing with Tyrese Halliburton, who's getting you the ball. You don't have to worry about some bonus. So I think circumstances changed quite a bit, um, and. I do think he wants back, but I think in the end, I think in the end, and I can, this is a total guess, that he's going to get moved, they're going to get future assets, and they're going to go from there. And, and whether that hurts them in their efforts to reach the playoffs, I don't care. You know what I mean? I, 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 lo- I love what this team is doing, and I hope for them they reach the playoffs. But in the big picture, if you lose Miles and for some reason – you don't make the playoffs, and you get in the Wembenyama sweepstakes, it's not such a bad thing. Bob, before we let you go, I want to circle back to one other question about the Colts. And for those that are unaware, Bob Kravitz, you know, in my opinion, Bob, you probably have had the closest professional relationship with Joe Mercy over the years of anybody within the market that covers the Colts. Do you believe that this year's problems are partially due to an overstep or an overreach of Jim Irsay. I realize he's the owner, but did he – so two-part question. Did he get too involved? And no if he did, do you believe that he is aware of that? Uh, first of all, clearly he meddled. Clearly he got involved in ways that he never has before. I mean, mandating that that Sam Ellinger play early in the season was was Jim Irsay production. Uh, is he aware of it? 
I don't think so. And look, people ask me all the time, is Jim okay? Um, Jim seems just fine to me. Uh, I've known him for a long time. I know when he's not in, in a good place. He is in a good place right now. Uh, that said, I, I for whatever reason, he's on this weird power trip where he wants to be the face of the franchise. And he is usurping um, the, uh, you know, the power from Ballard. I think he's emasculating Ballard in, Ballard in many ways. So I think he's very much aware of what he's doing, uh, he, which is maybe the scariest thing of all. I still maintain, Bob, when people talk about the quote-unquote golden years for the Indianapolis Colts, they refer to it as the Manning-Pullian years. And I think he is hell-bent on eventually getting the Ursay years. There may be some truth to that. There may be some truth to that. I've had people suggest that he, this is part of some grand plan, that he's smart as a fox, crazy as a fox, that he wanted to get the, you know, a top five draft pick. I just, I, I see him, yeah, he's quirky, he's eccentric, but I see him viewing himself as a Rooney or a Mara or one of the old school family owners. And I just don't think he would mess with the integrity of the game in, the, in, that, in that way. I, I just don't. Uh, I could be completely wrong. I think he thought he was just crazy enough to think this could work, and clearly it did not. And now they're in a really a pretty decent situation. We just got to watch and see what the C.J. Stroud does today. Yeah, he went from talking about Matt Ryan for four to five years to winning Matt Ryan benched after like four to five quarters. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and look, Matt Ryan, you know, he's not without fault here. Sure, I mean, Matt sure. Ryan was god-awful. I mean, worse than... I wrote he was significantly worse than Carson Wentz and the city went crazy. But then if you put their stats up side-by-side, side, it's not even close. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot behind that. Again, Bob's uh, one of Bob's latest pieces on Tyrese Halliburton, a really, really good read. Nice work on that, Bob, and uh, thank you, thank as you always, much. for the time. Okay, appreciate you.